0: the main thrust of this series has been to try to help us understand what church is. <clears throat> now here's the difference. Some of us have an idea of what we think church is. Some of us have been wounded by church, maybe even this church. And then we have kind of this fairy tale-like view of what church is supposed to be, which also isn't good. So this series, I've tried to give us some things to think about, like what does it mean to be a part of a local church? So the embassy idea, I think, is an important one because the Apostle Paul says we are ambassadors of Christ. So that means if you went to a, an embassy overseas and you saw those people, you, would re- you knew that that represents, that embassy represents not just that group of people, but what? The United States of America. So if those people are doing stupid things out in town... And they're creating a bad name, they're not going to be like, oh, that local embassy, man, that's the worst. What are they going to think is the worst? America, right? And so the same thing. If we thought of ourselves that way, I think it'd be super helpful. If I saw myself all the time as an individual Christian and then as a member of this church community as somebody that represents a kingdom, I would probably live my life differently. I would, I really want to make sure that I did that well because I can remember being overseas uh, when I was in the Marines with guys that did not consider what they were going to make America look like, right? And it was embarrassing. And then people there were like, oh, this is what Americans are like. And I'm like, no, most of us don't dance on tables without our shirts. We're not really into that most of the time. Well, Paul, but, you know, but like representing the kingdom is wildly important. And if we thought about that, I guess it would might make us live our lives differently. I also brought that movie uh, Miracle because uh, Coach Herb Brooks needed his team, that hockey team, that young, spunky hockey team had to understand that they didn't just represent themselves. They did not just represent their city. They especially didn't represent the school because that's what was really getting them in trouble. They represented the name on the front of the jersey, the United States of America. And so he ran them to death after one of the games that they lost to get them to understand that they have to put that aside. Their own personal identity has to be... Like, just subverted completely under the idea that, no, I represent the United States of America. So, again, I'm just trying to give us different ways of approaching this. But one of the ones I love most is the, the idea of a flock. Now, every single week, I think I've joked that sheep stink. And sheep can kick and bite each other when they get upset, even though they shouldn't. They do. And they can get lost and do dumb things. But the thing I think I love most about this, one, Jesus, uh, he leans into this idea a lot. But also, I love this, because when you belong to a flock of sheep, you belong, right? There is belonging. There is identity there. There's even purpose. There's safety there when you're actually a part of the flock, because if you belong to a flock of sheep, you are under the care of the shepherd. And that's something incredible to think about with the local church, that when the local church gathers, as Brittany prayed, the Holy Spirit is with us, and we are under the care of the good shepherd. Now, here's where it gets tough, is our leaders need to reflect the good shepherd. So what the series has been about is to help you understand what church is supposed to be, as Jesus said, and what you should expect of your leaders. Uh, I'm making it very, very clear what we expect of those that are serving either as deacons, and this week I'll talk about what they're serving as elders, what that is supposed to look like, because oftentimes it doesn't really look as it should. So deacons last week, last two weeks I talked about that important role. Those are our lead servants, and as we clarify our constitution and our bylaws, and we vote on that in the spring, what we're going to be doing is we're going to take this group of handsome men here, uh, and then we're going to be walking them through a process of becoming an elder board, which they basically already are. Now, this kind of stuff seems dry, and it's like, all right, why are we talking about how this church leads itself? Is because a lot of churches don't do it right. A lot of churches don't know what to expect of their leadership, and therefore there's not a lot of account- accountability for leaders. <clears throat> there's been too many cases where leaders have had these terrible things happen and the church feels like there there's no way to hold them accountable. So I'm gonna say in this series, this is the line that we're drawing and this is how you hold and what I expect, myself included, this is how I should be held to account. This is what I should be held to account for. And so these are our leaders and we've walk them through that process in the spring. That's all going to be voted on by the church, but they'll be doing that and then they'll appoint Deacon and deacons are men and women that serve in, in positions really that are vital, but are that an honor as well? Because they are literally our lead servants, and they're the ones that are going to be facilitating ministry. Because our purpose here is to get as many people involved in the process of caring for people as we can. Like we want to, we want to see what Jesus had for the church, and then try to make that happen here. And so the elder board eventually again they're going to be. They're, they're going to be stepping into a lot, right, as they become this role. But this is our deacon board that essentially serves as an elder board. But that's for later. That's We'll talk more about that later. Because this right here, um, I think the heart and soul of this series for me is that I want our church to become everything that I think it can be. I want our church to be able to lean into things like freedom from sin, like that people actually get to find that. A woman came up to me right after second service, and it just, like, was drilling her because I said, what we get to see here at our church is just is God setting people free from, like, addictions and, and just bitterness and unforgiveness, and she's got some of that going on in her life that she's like somebody else that's very close to her that's struggling with that mightily, and she wants that person to be able to connect and find that kind of hope, and it's like, yeah, that's what the local church should be, right? That's what we should be in the business of, It's like, helping people set free, and then We get to baptize somebody next weekend. We've got a bunch of baptisms coming up there kind of uh, in the future. Why? Because we celebrate people accepting Christ as their Savior. Like, we believe in in heaven and hell. Like, we believe in all that stuff, right? All that churchy stuff. We believe that we're going to be held account eternally one way or another. And through the gift and blood of Jesus Christ, like, I know I'm secure in my salvation. Like, that's that's what Jesus talked about. And so when somebody accepts that, man, and they feel like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking for, as Shannon did, like, it was such a sweet moment. And so... All that stuff happens in the context of the local church. When we do this right, and why I'm preaching through this, is if we do this right, if you, making me clear, if you do this right, as I do this right, like when we take these steps together, then we're going to see something powerful. I honestly believe and I think our church is getting ready for something that God is doing that I'm very excited about. And so I want to make sure that we're ready and that we all smell like sheep, right? That we're all connected, that we're all in this together. Because if I think if we stay connected to that, like, historical vision of what Jesus had, man, I I just get excited about what God could do to regular people just like us, you know? And so this series is about me calling you out. If you're a member here or a regular, calling you out and calling you up to what God has for this church. The greatness that he said his church was going to be. Because he said his church was going to go against the gates of hell, and not even the gates of hell would be able to stand against his church. Like, that's something. That's the kind of business that we're in, and that's what we're calling us out to in this series. But today... Today, though, just a different component of leadership is how we're supposed to do this, is the elder. This role here in a church, not many people understand, not many people even know of. But this, this role here, for a, a man to serve in the role of elder, means that they have the highest level of accountability on them. Like, that's what an elder is. Because like an elder is responsible for the spiritual care of the church. And so the, there's a lot in the New Testament about what these guys should be like. And so we're going to talk about that today so that, again, as we clarify and as we start to move into some of these different positions, that you guys will know this is not only what an elder is, but this is the level of accountability. This is our expectation as a church of the men that serve in that role. So it's a big one. It's important. So let's define our terms first. Um, People have asked me, Pastor Kyle, is there a difference between these terms? Pastor or shepherd, elder or overseer? No. No. So in the New Testament, they're all used the same, and that's important to know because every time this is talked about, there's a really high level of accountability and expectation for these people that are called these things right here. And so, pastor, shepherd, elder, overseer. So if we define these, let's go to the next slide. And as we look at this, elder is simply. And somebody asked me specifically, what's the difference between elder and overseer? Elder, Old Testament Jewish idea. Like they were involved in the synagogue, they were community leaders. It was a very Jewish idea. So every time in the New Testament You're going to see that context is a Jewish context. And then as it begins to spread out, Christianity, into the Greco-Roman world, you're going to see overseers. Because the church was birthed in a very, very culturally diverse time. People were very different. So again, church, us, we shouldn't be uniform, but we should be united. Right? We don't need to be uniform to be united. Like, that's the problem. Because we live in a culture It's either this or that. Right? And it's like, no. Like, we can have some pretty serious differences sometimes, but still be united in what we do. So speaking into a multicultural context, you have those two ideas there. All right, so that's just kind of how that's those two words. And now, all the other words, the shepherd, pastor, elder, overseer, Peter, writing a letter, and he's specifically addressing leaders of the church in chapter 5 of 1 Peter. And he uses all these. He just kind of mushes all of these together. And the reason this is important is because they all cover a different angle of this leadership role. So he says, specifically to the leaders, I exhort the leaders, or presbyteros, so thinking like Presbyterians, right? That's where this comes from. Among you, and here's what I want you to do. Here's what I'm exhorting you to Shepherd God's flock among you. Now, this is all written in Greek, the New Testament was. So shepherd there is a verb, poimano, comes from the ver- or the noun poimen, or poining, which means pastor. So if you've ever wondered why do we call people pastors, because that's what is in the New Testament. That's literally the word in the New Testament appointment. So right there is what he's, he's saying, look, you need to shepherd these people. And he's getting this, right, from Jesus. Like, Jesus was the good shepherd, so he's like, if you're going to be a leader of a church, you need to act just like Jesus to that church. And he goes on uh, in verse 2, and he says, not overseeing. And there's, a, again, the episkopontes, which is uh, from either, like, overseer is episkopos. So just throwing these Greek words at you, just so you can see how he intermingles all of these titles. So serve not out of compulsion, but willingly. So basically what I'm trying to say here is all these different words are just different ways of looking at this very, very important leadership role within the church. And they all describe in different ways how leaders should actually be. And that's important because that's a setup for everything I want to talk about this morning. Because there's been a lot that's happened over the last few years where leaders, in very public ways in our culture, not just in church, but just across the board, have had these major moral failings. And people are losing trust and have lost trust for a long time in major institutions. Like, and so they just don't want to do them anymore, whether it's church or family or government or whatever, like school, the medical system. Like, People just have doubts and theories about all these different systems. And it's like, okay, so I want you to know what I'm expecting our leaders here to be like. And I'm saying to you, I'm giving you permission in, in all humility, saying, I am also subject to the accountability of this church. I'm not above anybody here. Uh, I I'm, I smell like sheep, right? That's that's who I'm supposed to be. So I want you to know, like, well, who else should I be? What should I be like? What should our other leaders be like? Okay? So that's kind of the, the, the definition in uh, in Scripture. So biblically, just to clarify all that, elders are pastors who are overseers, That's That's really what we see with some different shades, but that's really what we see in the New Testament. So the person we typically call pastor, myself, Pastor Tim, is just a paid elder. And the person in the church we typically call an elder or an overseer is an unpaid volunteer pastor. So that's, again, that's in broad strokes, that's really what we see in the New Testament. And as we make some of these changes, it's like our deacon team is already doing this. But we just want you to know, like, we're formalizing this and saying this stuff out loud so that you know, like, what's happening here and why we're heading in this direction. All right, so the rough model for what elders do. Elders lead ministry, deacons then facilitate ministry, and then the congregation gets to do the ministry. Really, again, shades differently in the the New Testament, shades of how different churches do this. But ultimately, what we're trying to do here is what we see the broadest strokes in the Bible so that our elders are are responsible for spiritual leadership and vision. And then we're pulling together people that we will will call deacons, men and women, to say, all right, we need you to be integral in the life of this church. We need you to facilitate ministry. We need you to build teams. We need you to be on the front lines of ministry so that our people can actually do ministry. This is a big deal because there's a lot of churches where it's like, again, like I've talked about in the past, like it's an oil change. I'm going to come and get my spiritual oil change rather than like people being really led into ministry and really stepping up and being able to say, okay, this is what God's put inside me. And now I, I, now I have a place for it. Now I see how to like strengthen that. And now I can find other people and serve them in that way. Like that's, that's what that's a healthy model does for us. All right. So what do elders do? Number one, elders, they pastor, shepherd, the church by exercising oversight. So they're not just an executive board. There's a spiritual and administrative dynamic to that, but the church, like, you should expect of your leaders that they are pastoring and shepherding, shepherding this church by exercising spiritual oversight. And we're going to get into, like, well, how should they do that? But this is one of the things you should definitely expect of them because at the end of the day, in 1 Timothy 3, this is what your leaders here are charged with, the care of God's church. So this is a huge responsibility. I don't want you to misunderstand it. I don't want you as a church member to misunderstand it or miss it. And I certainly don't want our leaders to misunderstand the role that they've been called to for the care of God's church. And you have leaders here that are doing an incredible job of this. They're stepping in. They're learning. Every time I ask a little bit more as I try to figure out myself how we're doing this, our leaders are stepping up into this stuff. Our leaders with full-time jobs and full-time problems and full-time families. Like, they're learning, like, ways to serve this body and care for this church. So it's really, really cool to see that from my perspective. And then number two, uh, they're involved in the ministries to the church and to the community. So they've got to share their lives with the sheep just like Jesus did, right? They've They've got to smell like sheep just like everybody else because it's going to be their job to teach Scripture. It's going to be their job to make sure that our mission at Quavar Church, love God, love people, help them start and grow a relationship with Jesus. Our elders are responsible for overseeing that process and making sure that we're actually doing that. So when I'm in meetings with them, I'm like, does this, does this fall in line with our mission? This event or this thing that we wanna do or this preaching series that I've just concocted up? Do you think that this goes with our vision and our mission and our values? And I expect our leaders to know what those are so that they can tell me honestly. Like, ah, and sometimes they do. They tell me, well, they always tell me honestly, but sometimes they disagree. They're like, no, I don't really think so. I don't think that's in the right direction that we're going. And I don't wanna hear that. I just wanna hear yes. Right? Like, deep down inside me, there's a little part that's like, no, I'm just looking for you to agree with me. But in humility, I have to be like, no, I want your opinion. I want your feedback on this. And every now and then, they're like, no, nah, I don't think so. I think even like, like really excited about something, sometimes they're not. And it's like, oh, all right. So no. Next, next item on the agenda, right? Uh, all right. So they're involved in the ministry. So they, they also need to be um, guys that are recognizing other leaders, other elders, other people in our church and inviting them in and like, challenging them up to serve. Because hopefully, if you serve with our elders, and definitely if you serve alongside of me, you're going to notice that I'm going to try to find that thing God put inside you, and I'm going to try to turn that loose, right? I'm looking at people all over this room right now. that like, they just thought we were going to be like, cool, and hang out. And I'm like, no, I'm going to try to find where do you plug you in, right? Actually, raise your hand real quick if I've done that to you. Is anybody like a part of that directly? Yeah, you're serving in the ministry because you got too close to Kyle, right? But... That's what leaders do, right? We try to identify gifts in other people and say, hey, this, this is you can like, this is how you can serve. Like, this is where God puts you in this context, in this community, and it's important for us to do that. So we need to be involved in the ministry and being right alongside people, okay? So one, uh, we pastor a shepherd by exercising spiritual oversight, and we're involved in the ministries. Number three, we pray because we have to. For elders, prayer isn't a duty. It's a survival strategy. This is something our leadership team has been trying to get better and better at. Uh, how this works, praying for all of you. Once you come to this church for a little while, it's one of the reasons we ask you to fill out a connect card is so we can begin praying for you. Like, so we get you in the name of the people, uh, the list of people that are regular attenders. And so when we do that, we divide that up amongst our leaders. And I say, okay, so this is your piece of the pie. So Alan will have one piece of the pie. These are your people to get to know and pray for. So every meeting, almost... We're going through the list. Hey, do you, does anybody not know somebody on their list? Yeah, well, I don't know them. So we're like trying to find a picture. We're trying to get some kind of visual for them to help that out. So they know and can meet that person and then be praying for that person. right? So that's one of the ways that our leaders are praying for the people here, especially when you've been coming for a little bit. But that, man, that's when God does stuff, is when we, when we get praying and when we set the example. So I want our leaders to be praying with people, be praying for people, getting up on stage and praying. So if you're a leader here, and I say, hey, can you pray for this, and you, you thought that you could respond while I'm not really comfortable praying in front of people, I'm going to say, oh, that's cute. <laughs> that's, that's too bad, because that's not how we do it, right? Uh, and I had to walk through this my pro- the process myself as well. I can remember being younger, a younger leader and getting so nervous praying in front of people, but I had a mentor that was like, yeah, bro, get over that, because that's not a thing for you. And I was just like, oh, all right. So you just start talking, because I'm not talking to anybody else but Jesus anyway, right? So, uh, and then fourthly, uh, something else leaders do, elders do, is they model and they turn people loose. Like I said, leaders should be looking for other leaders to be able to raise up and be able to figure out how can we get them invested in what's happening here. How can we uh, discover people's gifts and passions and let them just turn that loose in this community, right? So we want to model that as leaders. So I'm going to give you another video, another uh, movie to attach to this series that I want you to think about with our elders. What should we be thinking about our elders like, right? So um, there's this famous character from uh, a movie legend, uh, I might add, and he has a four, four words that uh, are really, really famous. Wax on, wax off. Mr. Miyagi, right? This is the guy that I would love for you to think of when you think of elders and what an elder really is called to do. Because Mr. Miyagi had this uh, young kid, Daniel, daniel Right? And this guy wanted to be like an American Ninja Warrior like overnight. And Miyagi, man, he wasn't having it. He was making him do all this stupid mundane stuff, right? Because he wanted him to learn these motions and be able to do it without thinking. And so wax on, wax off. I right? had him washing the car all the time. He hated it and he had to do all these things. But then at the end of the movie or toward the end, he shows him what it's all about. And our leaders should be doing that as well. Just modeling these little steps. Christianity is not flashy, right? It's just about like just this everyday consistency. Chopping wood carrying water. You don't know talking about. Right? And so every day. And so I want you to watch this video, because again, this is just like another thing I want you to think about when it comes to being and being an elder. So let's watch this. First wash all the car. Then wax. Wax. Well, what do I do? I don't I don't remember dear. No question. Yeah, but right. I wax on. Right hand. Wax off left hand wax on wax off breathe into nose out the mouth wax on wax off don't forget to breathe very important wax on wax off and wax off that 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 You know, he's a legend. I love that dude. Uh, but again, it's like this little stuff, little stuff that adds up. And I, and I believe when I look at the New Testament, that's what I see elders doing. That's what I see spiritual leaders doing, is they're just doing these little things, these little mundane things, and they're just walking through life with people and helping them see what it looks like to actually follow Jesus. So that all of a sudden, when you need your faith, you lean into your faith, now it's like, okay, it's a little bit of muscle memory happening, right? So that's what I see. That's what I just wanted to do. something fun for you to attach. Because, the again, the men that serve in this role – are going to determine the direction of our church. So when we think of church, a lot of us may have, uh, again, like I said earlier, things that aren't real, things that come from a wounded place. But when we have the right people serving in these roles, we get to see something different happen that isn't happening in culture at large. And that's been the witness throughout history about the church. Because what is important is not so much, you know, we listed what, four things here, of just kind of general things that they're responsible for. But in the New Testament, what is way more important is their character. Way more important is their character, because the question is, what kind of men should they be? And the responsibilities are left largely up to us, but the character thing cannot be budged on, because they're going to set the tone for the church. And when you don't have this, a lot of you have seen toxic church environments. A lot of you have seen toxic leaders that are all about themselves. And that's just not the case. That's not what we see in the New Testament. And so I want to make sure we're, as it, we as a church are holding our leaders accountable to this. So what we're modeling, what we're modeling as leaders here is from John 10.10. John 10.10 and 11. So John 10.10, 10, right before this, says, The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. My purpose is to give them life and give it to them abundantly. Right? That's Jesus, what he wants. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. The Good Shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Our leaders should want people to experience that Christ-like life. It's not an easy life, but it is an abundant life. And that's what Jesus tells us, because you're letting go of hate and anger and bitterness and addictions, all this kind of stuff. You're letting go of sin because you realize, man, that's not the abundant life. And then the Good Shepherd is who our leaders are expected to model. So it's crazy important that a local church like this has people that are willing to do this. And I see that And guys like Alan and Rom and John's not here for this service, but I, I see that in them. I see it in Mo Bracken. Those guys that I showed the picture of, they're guys that are leaning into this and they want the best for this church and the people in it. And they're willing to go above and beyond and serve. And it's a cool thing to watch. But it's why it's important. If we're, we gotta have people that will model that. So three places that you see in the New Testament that are really, really important. And I'm gonna read through these and not teach a whole lot on them, but I want you to see, there's a lot of strong words in here. And the reason Paul is writing these, he writes to Timothy and Titus, two pastors. And then First Peter, he's writing to uh, churches. And so, these are, especially First Timothy is written because there's some really bad people that have gotten into the church. And they're not doing what they should be doing. Their faith is dead, but they're faking it. They're worming their way into vulnerable women's homes and taking advantage of them. Like, that's the kind of stuff that's happening where Timothy is. And Paul's like, look, man, look, look, look. we got to get rid of these people. And we got to put the right kind of guys in leadership here. So in 1 Timothy 3, and um, verses 1 through 7, this is what's happening. Uh, this is what he said to expect. He says, this saying is trustworthy, Timothy. If anyone aspires to be an overseer, he desires a noble work. Right? It's taken a beating. The office has taken a beating because of some of these people. And he says, an overseer, therefore must be above reproach. No, nothing glaring in their life. Not that they're perfect, but there's nothing glaring in their life. The husband of one wife, which means you are, there's sexual fidelity, right? You are faithful to your woman, because in Greek it's just one woman man, and if you're not single, or if you're single and not married, that still means your sexual integrity is intact. You know, it's out there sleeping with everybody, right? So the husband of one wife, you're self-controlled, sensible, so respectable, hospitable, and able to teach, because the able to teach thing sets the elder aside, that you, you know, you're leading small groups, you're maybe, maybe preaching, but you're definitely in a teaching role in some form or fashion, because you're responsible for doctrine. And then next, he goes on, I think one of the most important verses in this little section. Not an excessive drinker, not a bully but gentle, not quarrelsome, not greedy. We have probably all sat under people that were leaders, that were bullies, and were quarrelsome and they were greedy. they not generous people. They always want to fight. They always want to use their position to push everybody around. That's not how it's supposed to be within the family of Jesus. Leadership does not look that way. And so Paul's really pressing into that. And then in verse four, he gets into family stuff, and he says he must be he must manage his household competently, and have his children under control with all dignity. So this is like in in the reflection of even even in the Bible, some of the spiritual leaders that had kids that were just like the worst people ever. And they were just belligerent. And the parents did nothing. The spiritual leaders, like think of like Eli in the Old Testament, did nothing to discipline their kids. And they got in trouble for it. And God judged them for it because they were just unwilling or unable or didn't care to manage their own children, right? And to even, like, because Paul says, look, if you're not even willing to do that in your home, and then verse 5, then what? You want to come into the church? He says, if anybody doesn't know how to manage his own household, how's he going to take care of God's church? So this doesn't mean perfection. This just means if you're not even doing it at home, what are you going to do in the church? You're going to destroy it. And that, so that's what I think you see in a lot of unhealthy churches. Guys that don't care about their family at all, but they want the recognition of being a church leader. And so that selfish, arrogant person comes into the church and brings that into the culture of the church. Again, I'm not talking perfection here, but I'm saying, are you being intentional with your family? Right? And if you don't have that, well, man, Paul says, how are you going to do that in church? Right? And then verse 6, he says, He must not be a new convert. Or he might become conceited and incur the same condemnation as the devil. Pride, right? And then verse 7. He says, furthermore, he must have a good reputation among outsiders. So this is an all-the-time thing for for an elder. So that he doesn't fall into disgrace and the devil's trap. So a leader in a church, an elder in a church, man, that person needs to be authentic all the time. Not like, hey, I'm not here, but when I go to work or when I'm with my buddies, I'll, I'll act and say whatever, you know, however I want. I'll say whatever I want. I'll do whatever I want yeah, I'll, I'll be you know on target when I'm at church. That can't be that. That's hypocrisy. And Paul says you can't have that. And then Titus adds a couple of things. He says, um, again, kind of just leaning into more specifically with kids and more specifically with teaching. When he's writing to Timothy, he says, look, his children need to be Christians who are not characterized by debauchery or rebellion. Like these kids that are just out there destroying community. They're out there like just bringing disrepute to their family. And like these these are kids that again. In the fashion of the Old Testament, this is the spiritual leaders that were unwilling to do anything about their kids, and their kids ran wild because of it. So it's like, you've got to be willing to do that at home. You've got to be willing to discipline and love your family and lead them in Christ, and not just let them run wild, because you're going to do the same thing at the church if you try to lead it, right? And then the secondary is the teaching part. Holding to the faithful messages taught, able to both encourage with sound teaching and refute those who contradict it. So, understand God's Word enough to apply it, to call people out, to encourage people with it. Like, that's what you should expect of your leaders here, that they're in the Word. And this is what Peter says. And Peter learned this lesson from Jesus, because Peter was one of Jesus' best friends. And this is how Jesus taught Peter to lead. So, this is what he says. And this is what I want you holding our leaders accountable to. He says, "Shepherd, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly... As God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. And then this again, this is Jesus specifically taught him this lesson. Not lording it over those who are entrusted to you. Right? So this the the church, I see the church, I see that numbers here is being entrusted to us as leaders. That's a that's a weight. Not lording over those that have been entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive unfading the unfading crown of glory. Jesus is going to recognize your faithful service, he's saying. And in the same way, you who are younger be subject to the elders. But, right, this is not just, oh, elders are in charge, they get to make all the rules. No, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. This community here, Quavog Church, should be different. And it should be different because, one, the Holy Spirit is present, but also because you've got leaders that are willing to step up and do this stuff. So this is what we should be holding each other accountable to, but certainly our leaders, especially our leaders. So the standard is high because every one of our leaders in our church, if I'm going to pick somebody to either be a deacon, but especially an elder, what I'm saying to you as church members or attenders is I'm saying, I want you to watch this person. They're not perfect, but I want you to watch this person in their life. They're going to make mistakes just like everybody else, but there's a high standard because of the eyes that are on us and should be. So the next verse here out of Hebrews 13, it says, Remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. And this is the part that's weighty. As you carefully observe the outcome of their lives, what should you be doing? Imitating their faith. So I want our leaders here, again, not perfect people, but I want us to be able to look at our leaders and say, imitate their faith. Imitate their faith. They're always, they're always trying to pursue Jesus. They fall down. They make mistakes. But they're humble enough to admit it. And they're, they're moving forward. and moving forward. Look at them. Look at them. Look how they're doing this. Like, that's what I want our leaders here to be like. And that's why their character has to be so high. Now what happens though, say if I have some kind of moral failing, or a leader has a moral failing, what are you guys to do? Do you have a voice in this church? Yeah, you should. And there's an awkward way, but Paul lays out specifically in 1 Timothy 5, how do you discipline a leader? Because a lot of churches, they get really hurt because they don't feel like they can say anything when a leader does something terrible, right? It's just like swept under the rug, or they're told not to worry about it. Or one church uh, I knew of years ago was told just to cover something up for the good of the church. No, you don't do that. Leaders need to be held accountable, and this is how they do it. So it's really awkward. We've only had to do it a couple times the whole time I've been here. He says, don't accept an accusation against an elder unless it's supported by two or three witnesses. Now, he's not saying that, like, all of the time. That's just saying you need to have a pretty high standard. So if one of your leaders has an accusation abroad against them, it's not like one person can't bring an accusation. Just more work needs to be done. But he's saying, don't handle this really lightly. Like, this is one of your leaders, so you need to make sure that this is legit, is what he's saying to Paul. But the very next thing, so say it is legit. Say something did happen. Well, what do you do? He says, publicly rebuke those who sin so that the rest will be afraid. That's, like, that's intense. And when that happens, it's never fun for a church. When we have to bring a leader up on the stage, and again, like I said, it's, like, happened once the whole time I've been here, and then, like, once, like, the 30 years before that or 20 years before that. So it doesn't happen often, thankfully, but when it does, and it's painful, it is really, really painful. And so for us as a church, it's like, okay, I need, to, I need to live my life in a way that, man, I would never want to do that kind of harm to this church because that's, oh, that's hard, right? But that's the standard. That's the standard, right? You want to leave? You want to be up front? Well, the standard's higher, all right. And then he closes with, don't be too quick to appoint anyone as an elder, right? Be very careful. Put the right people in there. They're not going to be perfect, but put the right people serving as elders. The bar is really, <laughs> really high. And like Peter said, we have to talk about this and make this really, really clear as a church because the church is supposed to emulate and follow the leaders. So whatever path we're going down, people are going to follow along with us. And so what you see here in this next verse is the, the call to church submission. So next slide in Hebrews 13. It says, obey your leaders and submit to them. That's like, we don't like that. Obey your leaders and submit to them since they keep watch over your souls as those who will give an account the bar is, bar is really high. I'm going to give an account to God for how I did this, but obeying and submitting, those are things that are voluntary in a church. Like People have to come into relationship and say, okay, I trust these leaders so much that I'm going to put myself under their spiritual authority. So that's why these people need to be really, really high character kind of people. Like They need to be really intentional about modeling the shepherd if, in fact, you're going to willingly put your your life under their spiritual authority, right? And you're going to bring your family, and you're going to trust them with your kids. Like, all that kind of stuff is a big deal, and it happens willingly if you have the right leaders. You feel safe to do that if you have leaders that you know you can trust. And then he says, he adds on after that, and he says, if you do this, they can lead in a way with joy and not with grief, for so that would be unprofitable for you. And you know, don't don't stress your leaders out. Like, don't, don't kill them. Don't crucify them. Don't always be badgering them. And it's like, Let's do this together in a way that is profitable for us. But again, the bar is really high. Now, trust and following are hard because we as a society have, again, been beat up with institutions. So here's the thing I I think about. One of the best lessons I ever learned, I was actually in the Marines. I was very young, and I had this staff sergeant, and he was speaking to a group of us. And he said, the thing about leadership and what we do here, he said, here's the kind of leaders I want you to be. He said, I don't want people to follow you because they're ordered to. He said, I want people to follow you because they want to. He said, that's the kind of leader that you want to be. And I was like, man, that's really profound. He said, because you've got to think, one day you may may be charging the gates of hell, quite literally, with them, and you don't want them running alongside you or behind you because you told them to. You want them there next to you or beside you or behind you or around you because there's nowhere else on earth they'd want to be. Like, that's a different style of leadership. And that's what Jesus was like. Like his guys, man, they charged the gates of hell straight up. Because that's heaven and hell, is what we're talking about with Christianity. Those guys, to the end of their life, they were all, they all, all his disciples lost their lives. They literally charged the gates of hell because Jesus was that kind of leader. And that's the kind of leaders I want to instill here. It's the kind of leader I want to be for you that I just have that much trust and that my life is this authentic that it's like, let's charge the gates of hell together. And you're like, sure, I'm not eating lunch till later today. Let's do it. Right? It's like, we're all in, right? I want to be like that with each other. Because. And I also don't want us to overglamorize being an elder. As I talk about this way, I always want to be cautious that being an elder is a is a very difficult thing. Being charged with the care of the church and, and, and souls is a real heavy responsibility. And it's it's messy. It's like it's going to the hospital randomly because somebody is there and they're not sure if they're gonna like live, right? That just happened last night. I got a call and it was like boom, now I'm over to the hospital. And so and it's like calls in the middle of the night with crises happening. It's like driving around. I've, I mean, in the past, just driving around the neighborhood with, uh, with people, uh, kids that are suicidal and depressed and we're just working it out, staring out the windshield together, right? It's like, it's things like that. It's like that you don't ever get to see, but our elders, our leaders are doing. It's Kyle texting them late at night. Hey, I, need, I got a question about this. Or, hey, can you reach out to this person? They're really struggling. Can you talk to them? Hey, when I go on vacation, I'm like still kind of texting people. Hey, can you take care of this person? Can you get in touch with them? Can you do that? Our church leaders here really love the body. And they're really sacrificial about that because our leaders all have full-time jobs, full-time families, full-time problems. They got all their own stuff too. And yet they come alongside us and love the body because that's what leaders should do. Like Jesus said, laying his life down for the sheep. Like, we see that in our leaders here and it's really cool. And it's like, somebody asked me, how do you keep from getting so stressed out? And I said, great leaders, man. Great leaders here. Keep me from losing my mind. You know, because otherwise, if it was just me, man, I would. But, and then sometimes, I think one of the hardest things is that you, as a leader, you pour your life in. again, I'm trying to keep this, like, as little glamour as I can. But the people that you're pouring your life into, the very sheep that you love and serve, will be the same ones that bite you and headbutt you. And so as a joke the other day, I found this little video. I was just like, I don't even know what I was on, but uh, it made me laugh. And I sent it to a couple of our leaders because there's some harder things that have been happening lately. And they were feeling like they were getting headbutted by the sheep a little bit. And I just sent it to them. And I said, hey, this is going to happen every now and then, but just keep loving the sheep. And so this is the video I sent them because every now and then, as a leader, as an elder, this is going to happen. ever from the person that's videoing. <laughs> no warning. <laughs> so I said this, and I was like, yeah, every now and then uh, that's going to happen. But I just try to remind them, like, because they had a tough week and cu- tough couple weeks, and I said, but just keep, let's just keep loving the sheep. Like, it's going to happen because we're all imperfect, and we're all going to do that to each other inevitably. But, Let's keep loving the sheep. Because when we do, we get to be a part of awesome things as well. Like I said, we get to be a part of lives changing. We get to see people accepting Christ. We get to see people, again, finding or giving forgiveness. We get to see addictions overcome. Like, we get to see a healthy direction in somebody's life finally, like hope where there was none, community where there was none. We get to see those things when we're doing this right and we have the right people serving in those roles. So we also get to see that cool stuff. So it's not all tough, but I just don't want to overglamorize this role. And so I'll close with just a handful of things that I've told uh, our leaders over the years. First, because of the lack of trust of leaders and leadership, we need to model servant leadership constantly. We need to be Matthew 20, where Jesus said, the first shall be last. Like, that's what Christian leadership is like. We have to model that in our leadership. And Jesus showed us that in John 13 when he washed the disciples' feet. So that's first and foremost. Like, we have to be those kind of people consistently. Not perfectly, but consistently. Consistently. And something I tell Tim a lot, um, being a new pastor, I said, Tim, you need to remember to always lead with a limp. And what I mean by that is to be vulnerable, to be accountable, to understand that you're not perfect and you're going to mess things up. And sometimes people are going to get really hurt because you did or said something or you weren't there when they wanted you to be there. And it's just like mistakes were made, things were said and taken the wrong way. And I said, like, and you've got to be able to own it, like 100%. Like, And I told him just this last week, I said, when we make mistakes, dude, like, don't try to make ourselves look better. Don't try to, like, color on the edges. Don't do any of that. Just own it 100%. This is what I did, and I'm sorry. And even if like, no, 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 that's okay. I'm like, no, no, I, no I'm owning this. Like, and this, that's what we need to do. And it's so freeing to do that, because then I'm not trying to, like, make things up and work around the edges. It's like, just lead with a limp. So that's what I'm trying to tell our leaders. It's like, we're not perfect, um, and it's okay, you know. So third, don't hoard influence, but replicate it. You know, lead through others. That's something I'm trying to tell a lot of our leaders about. Whether you're a team leader, whether you're a church leader, it's like, make sure that you're trying to identify those gifts and those talents in other people and lead through them. Raise them up to be what God has called them to be, right? And so, again, if you get too close to Pastor Kyle, you're going to see this. You're going to remember this point right here if you get real close to Pastor Kyle that I want to replicate leadership and influence in other people. Like, that's what I'm all about. I love it, right? And then lastly... Uh, this one, to go with the uh, the sheep sometimes kicking, uh, is you got to have thick skin and a really, really, really soft heart. Um, the last piece of advice I got before I moved up here for a past- from a pastor 13 years ago, who was kind of mentoring me a little bit, he said, Kyle, if you're going to go into ministry, you got to have thick skin, period. And I was like, I don't know, that didn't make me feel good. Like, that didn't seem like a complete thought, right? And I was like, I don't know about that. Because I'm thinking, like, man, if I just have thick skin, like, at the end of my career, I'm just going to be like this, this thick like, scar tissue and be like, shut up, I hate you, you know, like, I don't want to be that guy, right? And so it's like, how do I avoid that? Well, I met Pastor Dean 13 years ago, and if you know Pastor Dean, man, he's got his heart right on his sleeve all the time, and I mean, I, I didn't think he was genuine. Like, he's so genuine, I didn't think he was genuine when I first met him. I was like, people aren't like this. Now Pastor Dean is, right? And so how do you get to the end of a career in ministry and not just be super jaded? I know super jaded pastors that move away from their churches and want nothing to do with the people that they've been ministering to because they've just been burnt and they got real thick skin but they got real callous hearts. And so our leaders need to have thick skin, yeah, but you also need to have a super soft heart in order to do this right. Because again, if we do, if we do this right, we get the right people serving with the right mindset and we get headed in the right direction together, which I think we are as a church, we get to see this last thing like I started off with this morning talking about. Lives are going to be changed. Hope's going to be found. We get to be a part of people having victory over addictions. People are pursuing holiness. Soul is literally being saved from hell. As in, yeah, this one, this one's Satan. No, not today. This is ours. We're claiming this one for Jesus, right? This person is no longer going down that path. They've changed in how they're doing their life. They've changed in where they're headed for eternity. Like, we get to be a part of that kind of stuff. And I love this list. And this is just a small list of cool things that we get to see here at our church. But it's got to start with our people holding our leaders to account. And you knowing what the, the bar is. And us as leaders being humble enough to say, yeah, and this is what we're going to do. Because trust is a tricky thing, isn't it? It's a real tricky thing. All right, let me pray. So Lord, I thank you so much for today. I thank you for your word. God, how you make it clear what we should be doing. And um, I, just, I know that there's a, a totally different way of doing, doing church, Lord, that, that really looks like what you had in mind. And I pray that you're going to continue to help us head in that direction and help all of us, Lord, just be called out and called up into this mission that you have for us, into this vision that you've given us, Jesus. Um, I just want to do this right, Lord. I love this body. And uh, I just pray that you help us. You help us that your spirit would just be in everything that we do, Lord. And I pray that in your name Jesus Christ. His church said, Amen. All right. Love you guys. Great seeing you. Once again, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's message, we'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast so you get notified of new content every week. Remember, we want to help you worship, connect, and serve. So if you live in the central Massachusetts area, we would love for you to engage with us on Sundays. For more information, service times, and details about our children's and youth ministries, visit us at quabogchurch.org. Have a blessed week.